Welcome to the first episode of the Blurt It Out podcast. That's right, we done switched to a podcast format. We're going to be uploading videos to the channel, but they're mostly just going to be visual aids to the actual cast. Now today we have One Piece chapter 11,002, 11,003 on the docket. Of course, these will contain heavy spoilers, so if you're not up to date on any of that stuff, please, please check it out first before you listen to the podcast. Now, you'll be able to listen to the podcast on YouTube, but I'm also going to have it on a few other sites that host podcasts, so keep an eye out there. It's going to be on the Tyrant King Kuma channel and on the Blurted Out podcast channel on YouTube for sure. So if you want to just kick back and listen to it while doing something else, that's the best place. Now, before we get too deep into the chapters, just a recap for the ones before this, because we've been getting some prime Bartholomew Kuma content. And as a Kuma fan, you know I love it. I mean, we have been getting solid backstory chapters for a while now. Kuma is truly goaded. And I made a video saying that they were going to, they were going to end up doing this. They were going to end up expounding on Kuma's reasons his thought processes all of that and i'm so happy that oda actually gave us a chance to see what all he could do with kuma because kuma's been such a mysterious but intriguing character like not only to me but i think to the story in general since he came to play in brother bark now i know he showed up with doflamingo at mary joy but really didn't get a glimpse of what kuma was we got more of a glimpse of doflamingo but kuma was kind of just a background character at the time we know he existed but he didn't really do anything and since then, he's been involved in so many important things to the Straw Hats, but only involved in the sense that he's acting, and we don't know why he's doing things. We didn't know what he was doing at Red Bark. We didn't know what he was doing at Sabondi. We didn't know why he stayed with the ship. So many questions, but now we have all the answers for that. Years and years later. Let's check out what the latest two chapters put in store. Because chapter 11,002 is titled Life of Kuma. And this is kind of like the wrap-up of the flashbacks. We're basically getting the endpoints and seeing how they converge with the Straw Hat journey. You know, we see Luffy after he beat the Arlong Pirates. He's got his bounty out and everyone's checking him out. And Kuma ends up being one of the ones to see that bounty. And at this point, Kuma knows that Draken is his son and that Luffy is his son. So he's kind of keeping tabs on Luffy. So each time Luffy does something... It's weird to see Kuma there in the background, but Kuma's been watching the whole time. And as kind of a parallel to that, we also have Bonnie, who's making her move. Because this is back in the era of the Supernova, so all the big names are starting to arise. And now we see how Bonnie ends up getting like, her, her trademark lipstick and little jewelry on her face. Because she did that, she wanted Kuma to be able to recognize that that was her. Because she used to have the jewels on her face. And each time I see Bonnie interact now... I'm kind of, it's weird because Bonnie's technically 12 years old. So you see some of the things she's doing and you're like, that, that's somewhat childish. Like she put the, the jewelry on her face so her dad would recognize her. Your dad's going to recognize you without, you know, something in your cheek. But in her 12 year old mind, that's kind of how she expects him to notice it's her because she has something on her cheek, even though it's not the jewels. But I do keep forgetting that Bonnie is technically 12 years old. So like everything she's doing, everything she's saying, it's all from the mind of a 12 year old who just 
looks like they're 20. But as we continue on, we see more and more of Kuma's thoughts when he's interacting with Straw Hex at those big moments. So like in Thriller Bark, when he's basically planning on taking out the crew, while we had an idea that he was testing them, especially because at the end of Thriller Bark, he said he, he ended up mentioning Dragon, saying that, you know, he has a son, he found some great friends. But we see that Kuma, when he's giving Zoro the, the pain Luffy felt, he was talking about that might be too much even for him. And we know Kuma's been doing this for a while. Like, basically for years, Kuma's been taking the pain of others. So the fact that he said that's too much even for him, that must be an insane amount of pain that Luffy was going through. And the fact that Zoro took it is another story. Flash forward a little bit more to the Paramount War. And we have Kuma reacting to that, you know. Of course, we know he shows up, but before he ends up getting there, he ends up getting his entire mind erased. And that makes it so sad because he he shows up at Sabondi while Bonnie is there. And he, he looks at her through the window and says, this is the last time I'll see your face. And it's so sad because he has a smile on his face and he he feels so genuine in this moment but it's weird to realize that he's going to basically die after this and he's so okay with it as long as bonnie is living the life she needs to live and while kuma's there he ends up getting caught up in the, the hubbub when luffy ends up punching charlos and he goes there basically to save them his last act of free will is to save the Straw Hats because, you know, it's Dragon's son. And in this moment, he's kind of leaving behind what he sees as his legacy. So not only is he making sure that Bonnie has the future she needs, but he's watching over Luffy and his crew. Because you have the inner monologue of him talking about how he didn't mean to just, you know, leave the revolutionaries without saying anything. But, you know, he had his own thing to do. And so this is kind of his way of leaving his mark, saying goodbye to everyone, and doing the most that he can before he dies. Now what's really odd about what Kuma kind of sees in Luffy is that he sees the resemblance to Nika almost immediately. He's like, a rubber man who challenged the world government. That reminds me a lot of Nika. And I, I think about that and I'm like, how couldn't the Goro say? who were specifically looking for this, making sure this didn't happen, make that connection sooner than Kuma did. Because Kuma's like, oh, he's made of rubber? Huh, sounds like Nika. And like, that's... Everyone knows that... Not, I shouldn't say everyone. Most of the high-tier people know what Luffy's fruit is by now. So the fact that they didn't make that connection, but Kuma did, is somewhat outstanding. And I do understand that Kuma's been watching Luffy more than the Goras they have, but you gotta have reports from at least one Marine that was like, hey, this rubber kid beat me up. That would trigger some kind of response in somebody, you would think at least. And time winds down to the moment where basically they're gonna wipe the last of Kuma's will and consciousness away. And Saturn ends up requesting a self-destruct button because they're so scared of what Kuma's going to do if they can't control him that they want to be able to destroy him at any time. Now, I feel like that's going to come into play because Oda usually doesn't just mention things and then, you know, let them go by the wayside. And two things that end up getting mentioned during this conversation is self-destruct and a chip that lets you almost switch personalities. 
I feel like both of those things have to come into play now that they've been mentioned. Now, self-destruct is pretty obvious. I think because of what happens at the end of chapter 11,003, self-destruct will probably be coming in within the next few chapters. But I feel like one of the, either the pacifistas or Esper has that personality chip and that we're going to see that come into play. I would bet it's going to be Esper because we've been seeing all of the seraphims have somewhat instinctual responses to things. Like we see S-Snake react to Luffy, like Boa react to Luffy. So it wouldn't be surprising to see S-Bear react to Bonnie like Kuma react to Bonnie. And if he has that dual-sided chip, there's potential for S-Bear to end up going with Bonnie. Now, during the, the final conversation Kuma has with Vegapunk, he's still kind of elaborating on Luffy and his comparison to Nico. And basically, he thinks that Luffy will be the one to make a great change in the world. He sees that in Luffy. And he also thinks back about his his actions on the world. And he questions whether he's been a trouble to people so far. And that's such a real response. When you have people that are somewhat selfless, you know, all they do is just try and help others. I feel like it's very common for them to feel like they're being more of a nuisance than a help. And this is reflected in Kuma when he's like, I, I feel like I've troubled somebody at least. Like some people had to have been troubled or harmed by my actions. And Vegapunk makes two statements here that I really, really enjoy. One of them is the very real response of life is nothing without trouble. Like you have to have trouble in life in order to move on. And I think that makes sense because even though Kuma was trying to help, like for example, what happened to Sabonji when Kuma separates the Straw Hats. Obviously, that was a good thing. Obviously, that helped them out. That caused a lot of emotional damage. Like, they were all kind of struggling when that first started, and there's no real way to reconcile that because they had no idea what was going on. It's just a good example of a good action being perceived badly and somewhat troubling. And the second thing Vegapunk says is a bit more to the heart. He says that Kuma's life hasn't troubled anyone, but his death will pain everyone. And that goes back to a common theme in One Piece where a lot of people have this, this kind of like nagging feeling in the back of their head that by just existing, they're troubling people. You know, you saw people like Robin, you saw people like Ace. They, they often thought, is there a reason for me existing if I'm just causing a pain for everyone else? And this shows a really good side of Vegapunk because what we know of Vegapunk is that it's science first. He's not so much into good or evil, right, wrong. It's more of what can I do with science? So to see him really show emotion here, have a heart and just feel like what I'm doing is wrong. I understand why I'm doing it. I understand what it means to do it. It's just not right. In the reaction panels from everyone watching, like you have Sentamaru, you have Vegapunk is obviously crying. You have Bonnie responding to it all once the memory finishes. Just shows that Vegapunk was right. Everyone that cares for him is going through a lot of pain right now. But the absolute best part of Chapter 11002 is the, the entire panel with Puma continuously running as we go through his memories of people. You know, he starts off as a kid and you see his parents, you see Ivankov, and then you see Kuma a little bit older. You see Dragon, you see more revolutionaries. And then you see older Guinea, and then you see Puma older again, you see Bonnie, 
And then you see Kuma at his age where he is now. And the entire time he's just been running. And it's a symbol of basically Kuma's been running, trying to help people as much as he can, as often as he can. He just doesn't stop. He's spent his whole life acting this way and he did it to the very end. And it's such a deep contrast to the character we were introduced to. Because Kuma was made out to be one of the worst pirates. Just a terrible person. Like, just on name alone, you were afraid of him. And you look at this stuff now and it's like, he's such a gentle, kind, loving person. He would never be what they portrayed him to be. Just such a, a fitting ending to that, that flashback sequence. It's so fantastic. It also comes with a consequence of... Basically, that was the last source of Kuma's memories. Now, of course, they live on in Bonnie, but the, the bubble itself is gone. So Bonnie basically has the, unless Vegapunk, like, recorded anything, because he had a machine that could view Kuma's memories without bursting the bubble. So unless Vegapunk made specific recordings or documented data, that stuff is just gone. And the chapter ends off with Kuma wishing Bonnie a happy 10th birthday. And not only does that drive home again that Bonnie's only 12, but it just goes to show how much Kuma truly cared about her. That was the last thing he said was, make sure you wish Bonnie a happy 10th birthday. Just such a completely fantastic wraparound for a character. Now, chapter 11,003 doesn't bring us back to current time just yet. It brings us a bit forward in time so still a flashback but we're seeing bonnie react to the flashback pretty much vegapunk gets there and he he realizes that bonnie's gone through the memories and essentially he's broken his promise because kuma said he didn't want bonnie to see that but it's probably for the best that she saw that because i think the full explanation is just needed there's no way she could have stayed in the dark because she would have gotten herself into so much trouble trying to figure out what happened to kuma Running up to Vegapunk is one thing, but she would have ended up back in Mary Joy at some point, and that would have been terrible for her, especially with her fruit. But before we get back to present time, we get the reveal that Kuma also left a present. It's a sapphire necklace that's said to be a protective charm. And it's it's so sweet because the, the sapphire, so that's what was affecting her face and her body, that's what killed Ginny, but it's shaped like the sun, which she couldn't go out into for the first part because the sun was basically killing her. So it's like a, a culmination of all her, her troubles brought into a protective charm instead of something that hurts, which is really sweet. So we're back in present time, and Saturn's being straight up evil, you know, doing evil monologues, Kuma's dead, I made sure it happened. And he basically explains that Bonnie is a result of an experiment where they were rooting out the double fruit's power without making someone eat the fruit itself so basically you're trying to infuse a baby double fruit powers before they're born very similar to what judge was doing to his kids but just with double fruits instead of cybernetic enhancements now some things to note about saturn here is he's holding bonnie and bonnie's trying to use her power against him but it doesn't work and normally because she tries to use two things. She tries to use her aging power. That doesn't do anything. And then she tries to use her distorted future. And that fails too. So it's like he might not have age in general. 
so there's nothing to change. The distorted future, on the other hand, seems to be an effect of Bonnie somewhat losing faith in what she knows as Nico. And we get the reveal that her ability is one that is able to transform you into a state that matches any future perceived to be possible. So when she did Nika's future in the past, it's because she believed in that future to be a possibility. At this point in time, basically Saturn is killing her faith in that, so that's making the ability weaker. Now what this basically means is, as long as she has faith and can envision a possible future, she can turn herself into that. Which is somewhat unlimited, because it's not saying any possible future. It's any future perceived to be possible. So if she thinks she can be Nika, then that becomes her future and that becomes her power. In the world of One Piece, Stella Fruits are often limited and expounded on by the creativity of the user. This fruit takes that up to 11. Basically, if she can perceive it, she can do it. That's, that's the power of the fruit. Now, as Saturn's being evil and explaining this, we... We get some side panels. We're seeing a lot of characters pretty much just witnessing things. Uh, a couple of the people are being frozen by something that Saturn's doing. You have like Frankie, Sanji, Vegapunk. They basically can't move. Saturn's doing something we have no idea what, but it's not allowing them to move in any place. We get a couple panels of Kizaru, and then we get a dried up Luffy. Now what's odd here is that Kizaru and Luffy don't seem to be affected by Saturn's power. And I say that because Kizaru ends up sitting up at some point and Luffy's eating food. So they can both still move. How Luffy got the food, we're not entirely sure. A lot of speculation is that Kizaru did it at light speed. Not a bad idea. But usually Kizaru is noticeable when he moves at light speed. I mean, he creates a huge flash of light, which I feel like somebody would notice. Other people are saying caribou which I could see, but it just seems like a, a weird spot for him to show up at. But I think it's also possible that the food was synthesized because I believe at the beginning of Egghead, we ran across a machine that could just create food. And I'm wondering if one of the Seraphim are involved in this because we've been seeing their allegiance somewhat waver based on instinct. It's quite possible that S-Snake could have done something here. Also happening while Siren's giving his evil monologue, Puma starts flying into Egghead. And when he lands there, he starts wiping people out. Basically, he's on a rampage to get to Saturn. And as he charges in, he's got people hitting him from every angle. What's also odd is that Saturn doesn't kill Bonnie himself. He asks the Marines who are standing around to do it. It's like, bro, you could just crush her. You could easily kill her right now if you want to. Or is there a reason he can't do it and that he ordered someone else to? So Kuma comes in and wipes out the people aiming for Bonnie's head. And he rushes in towards Bonnie. Saturn decides to go for his own kill shot this time. Throws Bonnie on the ground and then tries stabbing her. But in comes Kuma, grabbing Bonnie and taking the stab to the back with pretty much no damage. Now it's hard to say considering Kuma is complete cyborg at this point. So you really can't say no damage because bleeding but he just doesn't register pain it's also crazy how tiny bonnie is in his hands but it does look like she's reverted back to child bonnie just based on the panel when kuma's getting ready to 
deliver the greatest fatherly punch of all time. Bonnie seems like she's a, a little kid again. And on that punch, it looks like we have armament hockey, which really shouldn't be possible if Glenn doesn't have any willpower left. If his will and consciousness is gone, he shouldn't be able to use hockey. The fact that he's still using it now, I feel like it somewhat changes the hockey game. I think this is indicating that you don't necessarily need willpower to use hockey. There might be another step, say instinct or some other humanly attribute that you can use to manifest hockey. And Saturn seems kind of shook. I'm not going to lie, like he's staring at the punch like he can't do anything about it. Now, I fully expect the punch to land and not do as much as I want or not land at all. But we're going to see the punch follow through. What I would love to see is Kuman start beating up Saturn and Saturn have to resort to the self-destruct to get Kuma off of him. But I think that might be a bit much. It would also be really nice to see Kuma get a somewhat final farewell to the Straw Hats after saving them so many times. But it's like Frankie said, basically the next time they see Kuma, he's just going to be a mindless cyborg, and that's kind of what he is now. We'll see how that turns out. I have high hopes that Oda pulls out something for us here. And that's it for the, the two chapters. We gotta wait a little bit until the next one comes out because of all the holidays, Christmas, New Year, all that stuff. It's gonna be a little while before we get to the next chapter, but we have time to sit and think about what we've seen. As you can tell, I love getting more Kuma content. Keep the Kuma content coming in chapter after chapter. Give me five, ten more chapters with Kuma. I will accept them all with no problem. I'm, I'm on Jay's side. Just, just keep it coming or we're going to get that strongly worded email. That's going to be all for this episode. We got the two chapters. There's probably going to be another episode, not necessarily based on chapters, but there might be some updates on a few other things. So keep a lookout for that. I'll catch you next time. Deuces.